0: up to 45% on Dish TV packages today. These are limited-time offers and can change at any time. Call fast. 800-405-2561. 800-405-2561. 800-405-2561. That's 800-405-2561.
1: The following is a special presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the West Coast, It's time for Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Fascinating. For over 30 years, and still, your inside look into boxing and mixed martial arts.
2: What the hell's going on out here?
1: Heard live around the world, and brought to you by the World Boxing Organization. Yeah. And now, live from the Ring Talk studios in San Francisco, here's the host of the longest-running fight show... In history. Down goes Frazier! Down goes Frazier! And Foreman is as poised as can be! Pedro Fernandez. Domasi Caballero, bienvenidos. Uh, ladies and
3: gentlemen, welcome to the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and the Sunday edition of Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Yes, the man was correct in that lofty introduction as my name is Pedro Fernandez. Of course, he often imitated, but Hardly duplicated, undisputed heavyweight champion of the radio area. Straight up, 36 years of radio presence. Got a lot to talk about today, but it's going to be on one subject in particular. I'm going to dedicate this entire hour to Charles Sonny Liston. Wow, what a monster he was. I mean, the heavyweight champion of the world. He lost those two fights to Muhammad Ali. The first fight, he then Cassius his clay. Muhammad Ali, of course, he would lose one fight after that to Leotis Martin, a knockout just before his death and people thought that maybe that last fight the last fight he had with Chuck Webner, that Chuck Webner was possibly a mob connected fighter and that the mob had leaned on Sonny Liston so we'll hear from a couple of my heroes as far as my life's concerned I'm talking about Davey Pearl he was a referee of course he was a referee for the Sugar Ray Leonard Tommy Hearns fight back in 1981 he stopped Tommy Hearns on the ropes there in the 14th round stopping Tommy from taking any more punishment from Sugar Man and of course, Johnny Taco. Johnny Taco, Johnny Toco, the gym owner of the, uh, the Main Street Gym in Las Vegas. Of course, he was from Cleveland and originally with Mr. Sonny Lissa. So they had some good times together. And we'll, we'll go down those roads. We'll have a good time. Talking Sonny Lissa Day on the Mighty Sports Byline Broadcast Network. You are tuning in to Ring Talk, Alive Worldwide, Sunday edition.
5: Hey, fall is here, and with the leaves changing, it may feel like you're running out of time to get any lingering home projects done before the holidays. Luckily, Home Advisor can give you a hand so you can spend more time watching football and less time doing home projects. From minor repairs to major remodels, Home Advisor will connect you with the top rated pros in your area. The pros have been reviewed by your neighbors so you can see what others thought of their work. And if you're not sure how much your project should cost, get multiple quotes from the pros and use HomeAdvisor's project cost guide to see what others paid for similar projects. And to top it all off, you can book appointments online. No more phone tag. Whether it's remodeling the den for football season or fixing up the house before the holidays, HomeAdvisor makes it beyond easy to get your home projects done. To get the right pro at a fair price, just go to HomeAdvisor. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free award-winning HomeAdvisor app today.
0: Call right now. That number is
6: 800-485-6003. iHeartRadio, an app so powerful. It holds 20 million songs from 450,000 artists. Thousands of the best live radio stations, custom stations, and stations created just for you. It's anywhere and it's everywhere. Millions of songs, thousands of stations, one free app. iHeartRadio is that easy. Download the app today or listen online at iHeartRadio.com. Now
1: more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. Who was Sonny Liston?
3: Charles Sonny Liston. Big dude, bad dude. Of course, man, born in 1930 or was he? We'll talk about that in depth. Bottom line is he died in 1970, December 30th, 1970, at the age, allegedly, of 40 years old. He was suspicious. We'll hear about that in depth.
2: September 25th, 1962, the title bout for the heavyweight boxing championship of the world. The current title holder, Floyd Patterson, battles a 30-year-old former convict named Charles Sonny Liston! In two minutes and six seconds, Patterson is knocked out. Sonny Liston is the new world champion. Sonny Liston knocks out Floyd Patterson in
3: one round to become the 21st heavyweight champion of the world.
2: Nine years later, Las Vegas, Nevada, January the 5th, 1971. Liston's wife, Gerald, arrived back at their home from a trip out of town she was worried that she had not been able to talk to her husband for several days. As she walked toward their bedroom, she saw Sonny lying on the bed. Sonny Liston was dead from what officials claim was an accidental drug overdose. But his family and friends believe the official verdict may be wrong.
7: No, he never used drugs, he used a drink every now and then, but he, Sonny never used no drug. If he did, I didn't know anything about the drugs, and I'm sure i know a dope head when I see one. And Sonny never used drugs. I'm sure in Mr. Liston's life, he had enemies, and I somehow believe one of them killed him, or several of them killed him. And I don't think one man could have done it. I'm sure it took several.
2: The rise and fall of sonny liston reflects the brutal and occasionally corrupt boxing world that he dominated in the early 1960s and the circumstances of his death have never been satisfactorily explained in fact there's compelling evidence that sonny liston was murdered a victor who became a victim his story began with a lonely bus ride in 1944 mm. One of 25 children of a sharecropper in Arkansas, Sonny Liston endured frequent beatings as a child. At the age of 12, after selling a bag of pecans for bus fare, Sonny left for St. Louis and a better future. But once he arrived, Liston's life would take a violent turn, a path that would eventually lead to prison. Most of his prison records were strong armor. Who had turned in the streets and strong armed people to get money to make a living? After all, he came from a big family, so somebody had to support him, so he'd done what he had to do to make a living. In 1950, Liston received two concurrent five year terms for the armed robbery of a gas station. While in prison, Liston channeled his considerable strength into boxing. After 29 months, he was paroled. In
7: 1953,
2: Sonny went professional winning 32 of his first 33 bouts, 22 by knockouts. Sonny was uh, the type of fighter, when he got in the ring, he was mean, he come to fight, and he had only one thing in mind when he went out, there, and that was to win. By 1962, Sonny was ready to make a successful bid for Floyd Patterson's heavyweight title. He was one of the toughest, uh, most durable fighters of all time. You couldn't knock him off his feet. He was awesome. After his victory over Patterson, Sonny was champion for 17 months, until he met a young man named Cassius Clay, who'd one day become Muhammad Ali. To play. Oh. Of this fight, Cassius... Ali's superior agility simply overwhelmed the champion. After six rounds, Liston gave up. Liston has not come off round seven. Muhammad Ali had won the title. Sonny's reign as champion, Liston stayed in Las Vegas. Rumors circulated that Liston was drinking heavily. During this time, he befriended a boxing referee named Davey Pearl. Sonny was a very hard man to get to know.
7: He was quiet, and he was a loner. He was very rarely with anybody because he didn't trust very many people, and I didn't blame him. Sonny was really on the downside with his career. And people beat him out of millions of dollars. You know, phony managers, and they had this going, invest your money with this. And that happens to fighters that strike it rich. And he was such a nice guy. And it was a shame that most people didn't realize how nice a guy he really was.
2: In 1967, Ali was stripped of his title after he refused to be drafted. Liston decided to resume training for his boxing career. Once back in the ring, Sonny won 14 consecutive bouts. Davy Pearl became his unofficial manager and signed Liston to fight an up-and-coming young heavyweight from New Jersey, Chuck Wettner. The two men both had eyes on Ali's vacant heavyweight title. Day after day, Liston prepared to meet, and beat,
7: Weppner I wanted Sonny to win that fight, and Sonny wanted to win the fight because, had he won the fight, he would have gotten a big money fight.
2: There were rumors that some gamblers were betting heavily on Liston to lose. Johnny Tolko believes that two days before the fight, Liston had a meeting with two of these gamblers. i and seen these two. Like gentleman and he said go over and sit down a while in the lobby He said I'll be over in a little bit sure you going to be all right don't worry about it be all right so how you doing man I believe that Sonny was approached to drop the fight he had to be approached because the talk that was around it seemed to me like they wanted a Chuck a Chuck weapon to win and the only way they can do that Sonny would have to be in involved Sonny Liston was ready to take his first step on the road back to the top only local favorite Chuck Webner walked his way. Sonny, listen. To him. Hey,
7: Sonny, everything's okay. Go to work on the guy. Well, the fifth or sixth round, Sonny told me, and it's the first time in my life that I ever thought I would hear this from him. He says, "I'm afraid to hit this guy anymore." He had hit him so many times in the face.
2: By the ninth round, Liston had beaten Wepner so severely that the fight was finally stopped. Weppner needed 54 stitches in his face alone. Sonny Liston had taken that first important step towards regaining his former title, but that step may have endangered his life. January 5th, 1971. Just six months after the Weppner fight, Liston's body was discovered by his wife. Police were summoned to the scene. In Liston's kitchen, in plain view, investigators found three small bags of heroin on top of the kitchen counter. A small amount of marijuana was also discovered in Sonny's pocket, and a syringe was found near his body.
0: Take him on down to the morgue.
2: My opinion, there's two things. It was either natural or self-induced drug overdose. And the only reason I dwell on the drug is simply because there was this found in the kitchen. An autopsy discovered needle marks on Liston's right arm. And the official report stated that Liston had died of a cardiac arrest after injecting himself with heroin. But surprisingly, only small traces of heroin byproducts were found in his body. There's some trace of morphine and codeine found in the kidney tissue. But the level of drugs in his own uh, tissues did not indicate that it was an overdose type of drug death. Just one month before, Liston had been briefly hospitalized after a car accident. He received intravenous medicine in his right arm, and Davy Pearl believes that that is where the telltale needle mark came from. Hey, Sonny,
7: how you doing, my man? Fine. What happened to you? I uh, broke the car. He bought
2: the car. Man, I hate these
7: needles, Dave. He hated needles with a passion. A few times, you know, he'd start to get a running nose or something like that, a little cold. And I said, come on, Sonny, I'll take you to the doctor. He wouldn't go to the doctor. Mr. Liston would not go for common shots, for colds or flu, because he hated the needle to that extent. That he would make a fuss when it was necessary to go. mr liston was killed he was a strong healthy man he was not depressed he was not prone to suicide
2: certainly i think uh, sonny liston was murdered uh, i think that somebody promised him some sort of a deal at that time sonny had no income and a lot of fellows you know proposition for different business deals he Was hanging around with the wrong crowd and i told Sonny, i said keep away from these people But if Liston was on someone's hit list, how was this murder carried out with no signs of violence? Some believe that he was slipped a drug drink and then taken home. Once there, Liston was given the fatal shot. But if this theory is true, why were such minute traces of chemicals found in his body? Even if he had committed suicide, why would he have injected himself with such a small amount of heroin? To this day, Liston's death remains shrouded in mystery. So what actually happened, you know, I
7: often wonder, but I, I I don't know. He did come from nowhere to get where he was. And I like the world to know that he was a good husband, he was a good man.
3: That's why I like the world to remember him. More on that big ugly monster. He's said the Cassius Clay called Muhammad Ali. I'll talk about Sonny Listen right after the break. Get tuned to Sports Byline.
1: Now more of ring talk with Pedro Fernandez,
3: George Chavallo, the Canadian Crusher, the Canadian Crippler. Call him what you want, but what a class act! He had some tragedies in his life when I think he lost a couple of sons, but, but wow, w- w- what a guy! He was. I spent some time with him in Kansas New York, the International Boxing Hall of Fame. He was just, <clears throat> he was just so classy, and you know, I'll never forget. I watched him eat 115 shrimp one time. You don't want to hunt Shrimp, you know, big shrimp, prawns, whatever we want to call them. He ate 115 of them. Uh, reason why I know that is he ate 100, and then he ate 15 off somebody else's plate. I was counting them. I do things like that. I'm weird, okay. Bottom line is that was George Chavalo. Of course, Sonny Charles Liston. We take a continued, we continue our look into the life and career of Mr. Charles Sonny Liston on Sports Byline.
8: Well, there was a fight uh, where I was rooting for uh, Sonny Liston to win. Uh, when he fought Ali the second time in Lewis and Maine. And of course, Charles, Sonny Liston, the challenger, is in the ring. If uh, with... Ali won the fight, he was going to fight Floyd Patterson. If uh, Liston won the fight, he'd be fighting me. So naturally, sure, I was kind of rooting for Liston to the win. The
7: challenger, Sonny Liston. We're waiting for that bell for round one. Here we go.
8: Uh, I remember Ali threw a little j- uh, right hand over a jab and just just touched him on the head. It was almost like a little just a little little tap, and, and he went down and he was shot. And uh, He wouldn't move. And as a matter of fact, uh, as he was laying on the canvas, everybody was jumping up and down, and the referee Joe Jawad kept yelling at him, "Get up, get up!" Because he knew he knew the punch shouldn't have done that kind of damage. Sonny listen was a big tough, strong guy. He's not going to get knocked down by a powder punch. Liston was a tough guy. I, I jumped the ring myself. I had a lot of reasons to do that, at least one main reason. I was going to get a shot at the title. And, uh, when Liston took the dive, I thought my, my way to the title would be a shot at Liston. Hopefully, if I beat him, I would have been champion of the world. But that opportunity with him never came that way. My name is George Chavalo, and I was there.
4: A uh, Catholic priest, Father Stevens, talked to him to go out for boxing. And then, after Sonny won the uh, championship at the prison very easily, uh, Father Stevens was so impressed. First, he got Sonny a parole, and then later on, he arranged for him to uh, introduce him into professional fighting, as uh, he got him some managers. He won the Golden goes here, and he went to the national championships, where he had three fights. None lasted more than three minutes. So what do you do with them then you got to turn them pro there's no point keeping them on amateur so we did it was after he moved to philadelphia that uh, sonny really became a force in boxing he had a tremendous left jab and a great hook and he just started beating up on people like uh, zora foley and cleveland williams and eddie Mason. he, he just destroyed people
8: well from the outset I'd say that Sonny Liston belongs among the five greatest heavyweights of all time. He had a left jab in front of him which was probably the best in all heavyweight history. Had the kind of a jab that went through you.
4: Now here's a guy who came into the gym and would hit the speed bag so hard that it would come off its hinges.
8: He knocked the stuffing out of the headgear. I mean this guy
4: could really hit. The stitching on the headgear, when he hit you, it came apart. I think it's fair to say that he was considered like a Joe Lewis, like a Mike Tyson.
9: He was one of the nicest guys you ever wanted to see when he wasn't drinking. But when he got his little drink in him, he had a problem. In
4: 1956, in a brawl with a police officer, the cop wound up with a broken knee, and Sonny managed to run off with the, uh, the cop's gun and the cap.
7: Him and the cop got into and the cop called him a black-ass nigger. He pushed the cop, and then uh, he took the cop's gun, and he got seven months for it.
9: And I didn't get him that night, but we got him a couple of nights later. Of course, I took him in an alley and talked to him, talked his language, and he understood what I meant. Nobody want to get killed, nobody want to get the head caved in. I said, that's what's going to happen if you keep around here.
4: After that uh, breaking the policeman's knee, Sonny was picked up and put back in the workhouse. And then uh, after his release, he wound up in another fight with a policeman, wound up putting him upside down in a trash barrel. But now the police were tired of arresting him and they just told him, get out of town or else. All you had to do was look at their eyes. And they were out already. They already had a glaze. And you knew, looking at Floyd Patterson, that it wasn't going to last very long. And
2: then, and then, and then, and then. the public would uh, let bygones be bygones, that I would be a good
4: champion. Maybe a better champion he was, either just as good a champion he was.
10: After Sonny won the title in Chicago, he was going through on a United flight back some of the things he was going to say at his reception at the airport. And he said, I know a lot of my own people were against me. He said, I want to prove to them and I'm not going to disgrace them, I'm not going to embarrass them, and I'm going to make them proud. So when we finally landed in Philadelphia, he took a step outside the door of the cockpit and stood there for a moment, and he was looking. I could see him look both ways, and it was no, nothing. There was no evidence of any kind of activity, of organized activity, in a way of welcome. And I could just see Almost the air go out of him. I mean, these big, broad shoulders in front of me just seemed to sag with the recognition that there was no welcome here for him.
4: Even after he became champion, the Philadelphia police—they went right on harassing him. They just uh, petty things, picking him up for standing on a street corner talking to someone. For Sunny, the last straw is when they picked him up in the park for driving too slowly.
10: It was after that driving too slow in the park that he said that he was going on to Denver and that he would rather be a lamppost in Denver, I think he said, than a, uh, the mayor of Philadelphia.
4: He wanted to be close to Father Murphy, and he hoped that would be the end of police harassment. I think Murphy was maybe one of the few people, one two or three people in this world, but she never trusted he was almost childlike around father
0: murphy
9: father murphy was like a father to sonny and and he would talk and try to advise sonny to help sonny out to keep him out of trouble
4: father murphy felt sorry for him he used to say we have to pray for the poor bastard and that was uh because he was an accident waiting to happen when he was away from father murphy and when geraldine's wife was out of town He'd drink too much, and that white cat he is, he'd get in it, and he'd run stop signs, and he'd exceed the speed limit, and he'd get stopped over and over and over. Father Murphy claimed it was harassment. The Denver police said he was an 18-carat pony.
9: The police was picking on Sonny. They, when they saw his car, they would follow him. He loved to drink, and he would get out of hand might pick up some girls, go to the hotel room. As soon as they saw Sonny's car, they would pull him over.
3: beat my first boxing mentor, I'm talking about Eddie Major. Of course, I asked Eddie one time, how did you fight Sonny and not be scared? He said, you have to be scared when you fight Sonny. Listen, that's the only reason why I didn't get killed, is I was scared. Sort of like, I guess, the James Buster Douglas uh, mindset in preparing for Mike Tyson. I mean, Douglas Buster Douglas never prepared for a fight well in his entire life. But that one time, when all the marbles were on the line, he melted down Iron Mike Tyson. Of course, that was the... Big upset February 1990 in Tokyo, Japan. You are tuned to the Mighty Sports Byline broadcast, and we're talking, of course, about the career and the life of Charles Sunny Liston, former World Heavyweight Champion. We come back, we'll talk about how he possibly died.
4: Here comes the decision now. Let's listen.
3: Clarity in the world of professional boxing is spelled WBO. That's right, the World Boxing Organization is boxing's only transparent sanctioned body. You can follow the WBO on Facebook or check out their website, WBOboxing.com. This WBOboxing.com. The World Boxing Organization.
6: You've heard me talking about four hymns and how they are helping guys look their best. If you haven't, it's time to see what they're all about. 66% of men start to lose their hair by the age of 35. And once you've noticed thinning hair, it can be too late. Solution for HIMSS.com, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness, and more for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims is helping guys be the best version of themselves with licensed physicians and FDA-approved products to help treat hair loss. Order now! Listeners to this program can get started with the Four Hims Complete Hair Kit for just five dollars. While supplies last, see website for full details and safety information. This could cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy somewhere else. Go to fourhims.com/wrestling. That's f-o-r-h-i-m-s.com/wrestling. Fourhims.com/wrestling.
1: Imagine this is your money, and someone wants to take it from you.
0: That's 800-754-4531. This time
1: now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. The next piece
3: will include five theories on the death of Charles Lewis. Of course, I told you to place. Around New Year's Eve 1970, people are not sure whether it was December 30th, the 29th, the 31st. In other words, Sonny was last seen, I believe, on the 30th. So that's why they sort of said it was the 30th of December 1970. But he was living in Las Vegas, him and Geraldine, his wife, a nice lady, you've heard of her in some of these clips. But she she was conflicted because she always wanted to protect the the image of Sonny Liston, and I can understand why, because he was he was considered such a bad guy, and he really wasn't that bad of a guy. Yeah, he drank a lot, and yeah, he got stupid, but he really didn't go around like m- mangling people or anything like that in public. I mean, he did most of his mangling in the ring. Of course, when he mangled Floyd Patterson for the heavyweight title, not once but twice, um, that was a that was a statement. I mean, that was an early version of Mike Tyson. There's there's no other way to put it. I mean, Charles Sunny listen was the prototype to Mike Tyson. He just was. I mean, Mike Tyson was Sunny Liston on steroids. Mike Tyson on steroids? Oh, never think about that. Baloney. I think Mike took his share of uh, Vince Flintstone vitamins. At least that's my opinion. But Sonny Liston, there weren't any Flintstone vitamins to take. He was just one big, tough, rugged dude. Of course, you've heard about his, you know, his criminal background, the fact that he was hooked up with the mob. And of all the people to hook him up with a mob, he had to be a Catholic priest. <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess that's a little bit ironic. The line is, here are five theories. Five theories in which some people think that Charles Sonny Liston passed away.
11: Sonny Liston was a well-known heavyweight boxer during the 1950s and 60s, who eventually became champion of the world. Born in Arkansas, USA, he was allegedly abandoned by both his parents at a young age. Alone, he moved to St. Louis in the hope he would find his mother, but instead of the positive life he hoped for, he found himself still alone and tangled up in a life of crime. But the authorities finally caught up with the young Liston after he robbed a diner and a gas station. He was arrested and sent to jail. It was during a two and a half year stint at the Missouri State Penitentiary where Liston discovered boxing. He had found his niche making a name for himself whilst boxing in prison, wiping out all competition. When he left prison, he found a new type of family in the shape of the mob. This circle of the Mafia family was headed by John Vitale, who employed Liston as a heavy to intimidate people who owed money or refused to do business their way. The Mafia saw great potential gain in Sonny Liston as a boxer, and in 1953 he turned professional. Under the unofficial mob management team of Frankie Carbo and Blinky Palermo. Liston's well documented boxing career spanned 17 years and is best known for his fights against the likes of Floyd Patterson and Muhammad Ali. But Liston's boxing career is a whole other story. I will be concentrating on his unsolved, untimely death and the theories behind it. In December of 1969, towards the end of his boxing career, Liston was knocked out by a Philadelphia heavyweight by the name of Leotis Martin. In June of 1970, in an attempt to salvage his career, Liston fought Chuck Webner. Liston punished Webner for 10 rounds and won the fight. Six months later, Sonny Liston was dead. Sonny Liston's wife Geraldine arrived at their home in Las Vegas on the 5th of January 1971, where she discovered Liston's body lying on the bed. There were no clear injuries, such as knife wounds or blunt trauma, to immediately suggest foul play. There were needle puncher holes in his arm, and according to some reports, an intravenous needle was found next to his body. There were bags of cocaine found in the kitchen, and marijuana found in his pocket. It's thought that Liston had died a week prior to this discovery, on December 30th, 1970. Now, Sonny Liston's death is shrouded in mystery, and there are several theories to what actually happened. The official report was that Sonny Liston died of a cardiac arrest, or on by a drug overdose. It was believed by some that he was a heroin addict, but his wife Geraldine Liston and friends who knew him knew he had a phobia of needles and would never have injected himself. However, it's worth considering that if he had taken other drugs earlier that evening, or if he had been drinking heavily, which he was known to do, maybe his phobia was diminished because of this. Maybe he did in fact die from a self-induced overdose, resulting in a cardiac arrest. What makes this scenario difficult to believe is that the autopsy report states that the drug found in Liston's body was not typically enough to kill a man, let alone a man of Liston's stature. To further throw this theory into doubt, Liston's manager Davey Pearl suggested that a brief visit to the hospital 30 days before his death was the reason for the needle marks. Another theory is that Liston committed suicide. Sonny had allegedly suffered from depression following his losses later in his career, along with losing money due to gambling. It's known he had recently lost $10,000 betting on a boxing match, only 10 days before the Webner fight. So it's a possibility that he may have killed himself intentionally by overdosing on heroin, bringing on a heart attack. However, the fact that so little heroin was injected, throws this theory into doubt as well. These are the two most commonly believed theories in the Sonny Liston case, but there are others that need to be taken into consideration especially if, like me, you tend to question everything." On the night of his death, Liston was attending a party at the home of a well-known Las Vegas drug dealer. According to Lem Banker, a professional gambler and friend to Sonny Liston, the police approached Liston. Telling him to stay away from the house, which was on the west side of Las Vegas, as the local police enforcement were planning a drug raid in the area. It's possible that the drug dealers killed Liston because they thought he tipped off the police, pointing them in the direction of the drug dealer's house, as it was in fact raided for drugs that very night, shortly after Liston had left. When Geraldine found the body, she didn't raise the alarm for two or three hours, which led some people to believe that she may have had a hand in Sonny's death, taking her time to clear away any real evidence or planting misleading evidence. Was Geraldine involved with other people? Maybe she had a money-driven motive, working alongside enemies that Liston had made along the way. There was certainly no doubt that he had made many during his crime-ridden life. Whichever theory you believe to be true, I personally think that this next one has the most clout. Now Liston had two brushes with the mob involving fight fixing. The first related to the Muhammad Ali rematch. It's thought that Sonny Liston was owed money by the mob for throwing the fight, but never received the cash. As his financial situation grew worse over the years, he began demanding the money he was owed, and threatened to go public with the story if they refused to pay up. This could be the first reason for them wanting him dead, the second related to his last fight with Chuck Webner. According to his unofficial trainer, Johnny Tocco, Sonny Liston was approached by gamblers two days before his fight with Chuck Webner, asking Sonny to take a dive in the fight. One of these men was said to be Ash Resnick, Sonny's mob-affiliated employer. Liston refused to throw the fight and went on to beat Webner, punishing him for 10 rounds. It's strongly believed by many that he was murdered by more than one mob-affiliated gambler for beating Webner. It's a common theory that they intentionally killed Sonny by getting him so intoxicated through drinking or other drugs, that he was incapacitated and unable to defend himself. Maybe Sonny Liston refused to lose to Webner as revenge for not being paid for throwing the alley fight. Either way, if this theory is true, they left this formidable man vulnerable to a well-planned killing, made to look like suicide. It's a sad story, and today it still remains uncertain as to what or who killed Sonny Liston. Maybe we'll never know.
3: So you've heard all the theories, at
11: least the theories
3: presented thus far. Robert Stack's got his theories, this guy's got his theories. Me being a former San Francisco policeman, somebody knows how to investigate crime scenes, things like that. Um... I looked at the autopsy report. I read autopsy reports. I read court transcripts, things like that. I read stuff that you would never read. The average person would not want to read Mike Tyson's court transcript when he was uh, on trial for rape against Desiree Washington back in Indiana. But I read it. I read it completely. And that's when I came to the conclusion that Mike Tyson was railroaded. Because, you know, I just, we're going off subject just for a second here. But, um, you know, when... When you have when you have a reasonable doubt, and a reasonable doubt is, you know, if there's some maybe some some, some reason why something's happened and not in the way the police are saying it happened. I'm talking about the Desert Washington attack, of course. She was spotting on her menstrual cycle and she went into the bathroom after all this heavy petting on the on the bed there in the hotel room in Indiana, in Indianapolis, and she put her panty shield on the on the um sinkboard. And then she went back out into the room. So she took off the only thing preventing her from having sex. And she removed that and um, left it on the sink board and came out. So to me, that's reasonable doubt. Absolutely no way. No, 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 or buts anyway. So Don King's lawyer, of course, was a tax lawyer at the time. Wasn't a criminal attorney. And he gave Mike Tyson really no defense. Anyway, had Tyson been defended correctly, I think he might have gotten a hung jury or an acquittal. But Charles Sonny, listen. You've heard the cops chasing him around St. Louis. Well, Johnny Taco told me about that. The cops hated him in St. Louis. They just hated him. They wanted to kill him. And if they got a chance, they might have. So he left St. Louis and he went to Denver. Then, of course, his drinking. And when he drank, he acted a fool. Sonny was a fool when he drank. They just Some guys are. Some guys just aren't meant to drink. You know what I mean? Especially when you drink the excess. In fact, you heard some of the theories there where people think that you know, he was drunk. So somebody took him home and they killed him because nobody could kill him when he, was, when he wasn't drunk or something like that. I'm going to tell you the way this went down. As a former police officer, as I said, who was a private investigator, who has studied the crime scene, the photos, and the autopsy report, is my professional conclusion that Sonny Liston either had a stroke or a heart attack and he died while <clears throat> masturbating. Now, I know you guys are going to say, oh, God, <clears throat> why would Pedro come up with something like that? Well, let me tell you. He was laying on the bed. The doors were locked from the inside. He was laying on the bed with his shorts down around his ankles. His shorts are down around his ankles, and he's laying on the bed nude. And the door is locked from the inside. So nobody's going to be able to lock the door from the inside and murder him. Nobody's going to be able to. You see my point here? So this foul play thing, I think, is just totally out the window. I think that, you know, Sonny just. He came and went at the same time. That's the best way I can describe the death of Sonny Listen. He died in his own hands. So, you know, hey, no big thing there. I mean, was it a suicide? No, it wasn't a suicide. I'm sure he wasn't int- intending on, on dying uh, during this little heated exchange with himself. But that's what happened. It's happened in the past. I've read about it. So this is nothing new. I mean, people have passed away doing this, coming and going at the same time. And I think this is the way Charles... Sonny Liston went. Now, some people might think I'm crazy, but I've studied this and studied the crime scene photographs. I talked with Johnny Taco. He was he was there with Geraldine. I talked with uh, Davey Pearl. Davey Pearl was his so-called manager. So the people that are close to Sonny Liston, I talked to with the exception of Geraldine. Geraldine, I thought, was a bit biased. I said earlier, all she wants to do is talk about the good things that Sonny did. And why not? Because somebody, a lot of people don't don't ever bring that up. Anyway, at the end of the day, Charles Sonny Liston died at his own hands. Or his hand, one or the other. You are tuned to the Mighty Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Ring Talk Live Worldwide. The Sunday edition, two hours today. But course, we come to you live, the Sonny Liston edition of Ring Talk Live Worldwide. A special edition for this Sunday. Next week, the Godfather Larry Merchant will be back in the house, of course. The Godfather celebrating God. What is it? He's going to be 90 years old next year. He's going to be 90 in March. I believe he's 89 now. Anyway, just rocking and rolling, still parallel parking, still driving his car, uh, streaming around the streets of uh, some Southern California city, which I don't remember because I don't want him getting stuck. Bottom line is, you are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide from the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. <laughs>
0: that's
1: 800-403-5912. Now more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
3: Wrap it up. Hour number one of Ring Talk Live World Wide, the Sunday edition. Of course, um, we come to you for two hours on Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time. We'll have a special replay of the next hour right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast. And we'll go straight up you are tuned to the mighty Ring Talk Live worldwide 36 plus years now of radio presence often imitated but hardly duplicated but yet there would be no show without listeners so I want to thank the Ring Talk family of listeners now 35, 36 years guys like Ron Blong have been around 36 years good lord man people have been around listening to the show for 35 and 36 years almost longer than I think I've been listening to it because I don't listen to a whole lot of shows I know a show when I do it in other words if it's done well I know it. If it isn't done well, I know what they did wrong, and I really don't have to listen to the show per se, to figure that one out. Anyway, enough of that. You are tuned to Ring Talk, live worldwide, the Sunday edition, live on Sports Byline, iHeartRadio, Sirius XM, Satellite Radio Channel, 211, and, of course, the American Forces Network. Stay tuned for hour number two of Ring Talk, live worldwide on Sports Byline.